Hi, everybody, and welcome to the 27th episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Colin. And I'm Aaliyah. How's it going, everyone? How are you doing this evening? What was with that intro? You sounded all drug, like, hi. Hi. It's like that time when I would uh, go to Wendy's in the drive-thru and be like, hi. Oh, my God. Can I get a number eight? (laughs) Oh, my God. It was so funny when you could do that. You literally lean over the console into my face. I would push you out of the way after you get done with your order because they'd they'd be like, after you're done with yours, and they'd be like, anything else? push you out of the way. I know, you pushed me back, leaning over the console into my face. You're like, hi! <laughs> like, I miss those days. Yeah, when we used to buy Wendy's a lot. Yeah, we should go back there. But I digress. Yes. So, I won the bet in the last podcast episode we did with the couple's questions. Which I came to, came to the conclusion that I knew she would beat me. So, I got to pick this week's remake debate. By and three fucking points. <laughs> Still, I won the bet, so I got to Damn pick it. this. I got to pick this week's remake debate, which is the Frankenstein movies. Which and I'm very happy you did that. It was fun because here's another thing we did too. Uh, and in the future, we're going to be doing more of these. I can pr- assure you. Mm-hmm. But we went to Record Archive yesterday. One of and my we, favorite shops, right next to House Guitars. Duh. Well, we went to Record Archive yesterday, which is like a Saturday, and we. <laughs> We bought the original Frankenstein from 1931, the Boris Karloff original. Directed by James Well, who was actually the director of The Invisible Man and a bunch of other horror movies. Which we might do The Invisible Man someday, but I digress. And um, we got the 1994 remake. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Frankenstein Directed by Kenneth Branagh, and who is actually the man who stars in it as well. With Robert De Niro as the monster. Yes. So we got those. We got a bunch of others. I am so excited for the ones that we have planned this coming holiday season because we were oh, going to be yeah. doing. We're going to be doing a few that are holiday related, mm-hmm. and then we're going to do one that may not be so holiday related, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah. So we'll start with the original first. So yes, with Frankenstein the- was produced by Universal Studios. It's. Right up there with the Dracula. And it the was mummy. a couple months after the original Dracula was released. Yeah, it was like right up there with the Universal movie monsters, like the Wolfman, the creature from the Black Lagoon. The Mummy. The Mummy. Yeah, so on and so forth. You know, all those classic monsters. But I think Frankenstein is definitely a big, big influence in that Universal Monsters era. It's influential in terms of like how horror movie makeup kind of started in that time. And just the story of the monster as well. And Boris Karloff became the, what, the man of many faces? Or is that Lon Chaney? No, that's Lon Chaney. Okay, never mind. Yeah. But yeah, Boris Karloff's... He was great with makeup, though, Boris was, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, his iconic look of the Frankenstein monster is the one that we all know today. Yeah. It's one that's used quite often in pop culture. Just like Lon Chaney, he didn't need anyone to help him with makeup. He'd be in the studio, like, you know, setting up his characters in the mirror and just doing his own makeup. Didn't he have assistants too? What was his name? Jack Pierce. Wasn't that also his like assistant in helping with the movie makeup department? Yeah, but I feel like Boris did most of his own makeup. So yeah. So anyway, um, I found the ratings for this. The runtime for the 31 version is an hour and 11 minutes long. Yeah, it's a really pretty it, short for. It got a 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb, 91% on Metacritic. 88% of Google users love this movie. Mm-hmm. It was released on November 21st, 1931. A couple which, days before Thanksgiving. Yes, but if you think back to it, like that's almost, what, like 90 years, I would say? Yeah, almost, uh, well, about, that, no, 80, um, 89 years. Yeah, so 2021 of next year will be its 90 year anniversary which is pretty interesting and you know kind of old but i'm I'm not bashing on being old colin mentioned before director was james whale and it stars boris karloff colin clive dwight fry and may clark Mm -hmm. i think i've watched may clark clips on the hollywood graveyard channel on youtube yeah but yeah, she's like up there with a lot of like um, black and white film actresses of the time. Like Faye Ray and, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> Whatever happened to Faye Ray? Well, Faye Ray was the girl from King Kong. She was the victim. <laughs> that was a line from Rocky Horror Picture Show, Oh, Colin. I know. I know, but 
<laughs> that is Faye Ray, who played the uh, the love interest to King Kong. I'm surprised with the budget. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I don't want to say I'm surprised because it was like 1931. Budgeting wasn't you quite in for you movies. Didn't think the budget didn't seem like like it wasn't a lot. Well, when you watch the movie, yeah, it's it's very outdated in terms of like special effects, makeup, and everything. But it's an it's still an iconic movie mm-hmm. all overall. But the budgeting overall for it was two hundred sixty-two thousand dollars and some change. And in the box office, it was such a success it made twelve million dollars which that's kind of freaking amazing especially for its time period well because universal studios after dracula they wanted to do more more monster movies yeah and bella lugosi even wanted to play the dr frankenstein in this movie but they said no to him well not exactly what they tried to do was push him to be the Frankenstein monster because mm-hmm. they figured, you know, as part of a, like, when you're an actor in a production company, when you're contracted to play certain roles, those certain roles are what they want you to stick to. So it's like, if you're going to be the monster in this movie, we want you to play the monster again in the next movie. Exactly. And then unfortunately due to a lot of like makeup fails mm-hmm. in that department with Bella Lugosi, he just had to walk away from it. It was like, I, I can't play this role. I can't play the monster. No. You know? So, and I mean, I can't say that was not a good suggestion or lost cause, but yeah. Okay. Well, what did you like about the original Frankenstein? I mean, I can see why it's iconic, especially in the mo- in the monsters reveal. Mm-hmm. But I can see too why, like, looking back on it now and all the like sequels and spinoffs that came after the Frankenstein movie, why we have these like mad scientist tropes that the way we do, especially like you even said when we were watching the remake. Oh, like, oh, is there going to be, like, a Fritz character? Where's Fritz? Fritz was never part of the original novel. And, fu- and it's funny, neither was Igor, right? But like, No, there's there was never an Igor character in the novel. Which I never understand why they added Igor into any of the Frankenstein stories. Well, in this one, there is no Igor. There's a Fritz. And yeah. Fritz is a little douchebag who gets what he deserves. So yeah, I can't... shit with a hump on his back. I can't really be mad at him... For dying in the movie, but it's like he gets his comeuppance later. I that's all I can say. What else did I like about this movie? Sound effects were good. Yeah. Yeah. The sound effects the, were good. The the, the 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 scene in the lab where they bring the monster to life, the mm-hmm. the, the storm scene. Yeah. I thought was pretty good. Um, Colin Clive's acting and his dialogue, the way he delivers lines. Colin Clive is a genius actor. They're pretty mesmerizing. Like, when I watch him act in this movie, I'm kind of mesmerized by, like, how suave yet a little crazed he can be. Oh, yeah. Because he's definitely crazed, like, in the first half of the movie. He's crazy, but he's also very functioning. But then once, like, he he starts to pull himself away from his experiments, you can start to see where he kind of, like, mellows out, and it's like... He found his human self again. Yeah, he found his sense of humanity again. And it was funny because... All right, so Colin Clive, he's a a British actor. Anyway, what was I talking about? Colin Clive. Yeah. So and in, and aside from Colin Clive's character development in the movie, Boris Karloff's character, the Frankenstein monster, is even more of a great character development. Watching like throughout the film, even though it's very like it doesn't go too far, mm. you can still see like he's revived. He can sit. He understands the concept of like light, but then he's very terrified of fire. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And then like, I think that's, like... I don't want to say that's the only driving force for him is to, like, run away from fire and, like, any sort of danger. He doesn't but... mean to harm anyone. He's a monster who is not meant to be a monster that hurts someone. Mm-hmm. You know? He was just that way because people treat him poorly. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like how you have a dog, how people try to say that pit bulls are, like, very vicious dogs, but they're not. It's just how you train them. It's how you tame yeah. them. So. And I guess that that's generally the overall theme in the Frankenstein novel and in the, the movies itself is that when 
Henry or Victor Frankenstein, they revive this monster or this, you know, essentially a human being. They have no idea or concept of how to, you know, do it. And I, I'm not jumping ahead of the t- conversation, but even Robert De Niro's portrayal of Frankenstein's monster says it best in the 1994 remake, which is you gave me these tools to live, but you didn't tell me how to use them. Like exactly. you, gave, you gave me this life, but didn't tell me what it was for mm-hmm. sort of purpose. Yeah. So it's like that. It's the same thing with like the 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 novel and the movies. Mm-hmm. So, what did you like about the movie, Colin? I've always loved the movie because growing up, the first horror movies I've ever watched as mm-hmm. a child were the Universal Monster movies when I was like eight or nine, and I've always had this cool fascination with Frankenstein and what his character was about. You know, just he just seemed very mysterious and confusing. And he seems confused also at the same time of what's going on. Well, yeah, because he doesn't understand the world around him yet. He's And I think he, that's a lot of us. <laughs> We're still kind of like really trying to understand the world around us and trying to mm-hmm. feel like you want to belong and you want to feel happy and have someone, you know, someone to love. But when really you're just this or, monster who just looks hideous that people are afraid of or you can be like the dr frankenstein and you think you know everything and then have it blow up in your face moments later kind of scenario and it really comes to prove that you can't be god yeah because look what happens in both movies he after he creates the monster he starts to get this sense of regret like what the hell have i done like i've created something that's not even human anymore no you know it, it what what the hell should i do with it and you know it's it's that weird, I don't know what to call it, but it's this weird thing of rejection that sticks with the monster throughout the whole movie and yeah. novel is that, you know, I was given this life that I was never asked for, only to be rejected by the person who made me in the first place. Which is stupid. And now I'm here, what do I do? What was the point of bringing him back if you know you didn't want it afterwards? Like, yeah. you know, it just seemed naive and stupid and jealous of, like, Victor Frankenstein to bring back a person or a thing like that. Are you talking about, like, with the Bride of Frankenstein? No, 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 no. The, the, the original? Yeah. Okay. Like, it, it just seemed very selfish of the Doctor to do that. Well, because, and this is the thing I didn't like about the, origin, the original movie, is that when you, just from the jump in the beginning, you see Frankenstein with his assistant digging up corpses and cutting them down from gallows and getting to work on his experiments and he's already crazed with this stuff but they don't tell you why or how he became obsessed in the first place which i get that like there's probably no time and no budgeting to go into that backstory but you think like you figure along the way like his fiance or even his father could have peppered in the fact that like oh ever since his mother died you know he became obsessed with this idea of bringing people back to life well a lot of older movies are like that a lot of the older universal monster movies were very fast-paced very just like short movies fast-paced to show the the present era of where they're at Mm -hmm. they never show the whole origin or the reason why that they became what they are like the same with uh Dracula or Invisible Man or any of them, they show them in their present time, but they never show the reason why that they became what they were. And I think, I think that's... they did in Invisible Man, didn't they? Mm-mm. No. They never they just... showed him before? No, they never showed him before. They only showed him after he died, then he reappeared as human. That's strange, but okay. Well, that's the thing because, I don't know, It's just I feel like they didn't probably, like you said, they probably didn't have the budget for it and they didn't have time. And plus, the story of the premise of it would probably be too much. Yeah. And the and the audience back then would probably get bored with it. Yeah, but it's still pretty strange for me. It's like, you know, that's why I liked about the remake. Mm-hmm. Was that it, I mean... Well, the remakes, for, they show more of a story. They do. And we'll get into the remake in a little bit. Is there anything else you wanted to go over about what you liked about it? Well, what I was going to go over, what I was just going to say, too, is that, like you said with the remakes, how they show more of a, uh, more of the uh, story, mm-hmm. it was like the same thing, how Dracula never showed more of a story, but the remake Dracula did. Frankenstein, the original, did not, but yet the remake did, and so on and so forth, like with each movie. Yeah. And I just, I just think it's cool that they try to do that later in life so it could show people how it happened. Yeah, because that's a lot of, a lot of times you don't see that in... 
the original horror movie stories. But it's like you have this monster, yeah. you know, bad guy, but you don't understand why or how he came this way. But other that's than, why I like remakes. They yeah. take the time to tell the story before they really get into the. I just feel like gritty. they were giving them a chance to tell more of a story. I think that's mm-hmm. why they did it for a new generation. Now, with that being said, can I explain some of my issues with it? Yeah, sure. I don't care. Okay. There's there's going to be issues with any I, classics. So. I found maybe like a good amount of plot holes to do a whole entire plot hole killer <laughs> episode, but I'm just going to go over them now because I think they're pretty weird. So, <laughs> I thought you were just going to say pretty. <laughs> I just think they're pretty weird. Like, for instance, when uh, Fritz, the assistant, he goes to the university and he steals the brain. Now, the, br- the brains that are on the table are in these glass jars with lids on them. Mm-hmm. Why did he feel compelled to remove the lid off the normal brain jar before moving it? He's just dumb. He didn't with the second one. Mm-hmm. I mean, he drops it still and it's damaged. But why did he feel compelled to remove the lid? I don't understand this. He shouldn't have done that. Moving on. So dumb. <laughs> um, couldn't it have been more obvious that Frankenstein's friend was being like, was, like trying to woo his fiance? Yeah, I, th- that's always some of the points in those movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was another movie that was kind of the same way, also. Oh, and, and then another thing too. I don't like the name change in the doctor's name. Oh. Because I think in the book, and I, I don't have time to go over and reach for Well, it. isn't his name Victor in the movie? Well, his name is Victor in the 94 movie. His name is Henry in the 31 version. Really? But I don't think it's Henry in the novel. Let me look it up, though. Mm. Give me a minute. Here, you talk. Yeah, but I don't know. It's just... there. There's always going to be plot holes for something wrong with any movie, honestly. Whether it's a classic or not, so... I don't want to know about Robert Walton. He's not important. Which, that's just my opinion. The introduction is totally unnecessary in the novel. But Victor Frankenstein is the original name of the doctor in the novel. And the weird thing, too, is like they changed it up in the 31 movie. Yeah. His name was Henry. Which Henry Clearville was his friend from the university, remember? Mm-hmm. So, and that's in the original novel. There's so, a Henry Clearville. That, so I don't get it. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Honey, but anyway, honey, calm down. Calm down. Just breathe. It just doesn't make... Anyway. <laughs> um, the pacing was a bit scattered. So remember how we mentioned it was very kind of... I mean, it's an hour and 11 minutes long, so it's a short film. And there's not really a whole lot of time to really dig into like the background and the reasonings behind these things yeah. or really room for character development for me specifically the pacing of it going back and forth from <sighs> his from his family to his lab from his family to his lab it just seemed kind of like quick you know what i mean well the the pacing of this movie was very quick for everything they just wanted to speed mm-hmm. things along and i think that was the thing there was very much less dialogue in this one yeah you know also um and again, it, 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 I know the times are different, and the acting is just probably not where it used to be in most people. I'm just saying. But the guy who played Fritz could have at least tried a little bit harder with his um, walking. Yeah, he didn't really have much of he was hunched, talking either. He was hunched over, and he had a cane. Yeah. And I'm thinking, if you're walking with a cane, at least sell it. Well, don't you- Don't just, like... Hold it out in front of you and then, like, walk really quickly, like, oh, I'm coming, I'm coming. And, like, well, you you're know not who, using the cane. Well, you know who else had the cane, too, in the movie? What? Um, in the in the later movie, Young Frankenstein, Igor, had a cane, too. Yeah. Yeah, that, And that? that's, another th- that's another thing that I'm not going to get into, but I like the Igor character in Young Frankenstein. I'm not going to even touch I think that was, movie. I think he was better than Fritz, for sure. Very much better than Fritz. But the thing is, too, is, like... Because of that Fritz character, it... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It bugged you. It. What is the word that I am looking for? Oh I am getting so annoyed with myself. Calm down. It drives this notion that all man scientists have this hunchback, disformed-looking assistant, which couldn't have been far from the truth. I mean, not that there are mad scientists out there. There probably are some weird ones. <laughs> But I'm sure they don't have assistants that look like Fritz or Igor. 
Yeah. Like that. But I digress again. Like I said, there's no explanation for the doctor's madness. Fritz got what he deserved, like I said. He he tormented the monster right from the jump, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as, like, Henry or Victor, whoever the fuck his name is, as soon as he gets the, the, the monster to kind of, like, sit and just be for a minute, and then Fritz comes in with that fucking torch and terrorizes the shit out of him. And then he locks him in a dungeon and terrorizes the shit out of him even more. Which is just even more saddening to watch. So I'm glad he died. But that's besides the point. Mm-hmm. Good. I hope you burn in hell. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably wasn't the smartest decision, too, to lock Elizabeth in her room. Remember that scene? Yeah, which I feel like that was a very dumb decision on so, his part. So after Henry goes back to his estate, his family's estate, and he's ready to be married to his fiance. He gets word that the monster has killed the little girl, Maria. Now he has to go out and find him, but he locks Elizabeth in her room to ensure her safety. And that could not have been any more the case when the fucking monster shows up and he's climbing through her window and attacks her. Mm -hmm. So what does that tell you? Never a good idea to lock people in a room because it's not the smartest or the safest decision You might almost killed someone. Also, it had a weird-ass ending. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I was going to say the same thing. There's a few Universal Monster movies that actually have a very weird endings. And I'm not not talking about the one where the the mob, they burn the... Yeah, no, no, no. They burn the wind. after that. Yeah, it's the scene right after that. Because honestly, that scene where the monster is burning in the the farmhouse or the windmill place, Mm -hmm. that saddened me. Because now he's, like, alone, he's scared, he's confused, and he's dying by himself. Like, that just made me sad for him. And then they show uh, the, the servants in the Frankenstein mansion tending to Henry, who's okay, I guess, after being saved from what happened with his ordeal with the monster. And his father comes out, and he takes the wine that was being offered to his son and toasts to a, a future grandchildren and then that's the end of the movie. And I'm like, that's such a load of crap. Yeah. They could have done a better ending, but it's fine. I know. So that's my conclusion is that it's just a weird movie overall. Like, it's a good one. I get why it's iconic, but it's still a weird movie. It doesn't follow the book nearly as much as the 94 remake but and speaking of the 94 remake let's talk about that now yeah because we this is what 7 30 at night and we just finished watching 721 we just finished watching the 1994 mary shelley's frankenstein movie which starred who colin you mentioned um kenneth Branagh, who's a who? director and a actor and he's done a few movies including the actually thor he did the first Thor movie with Chris Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. He also played Gilderoy Lockhart in the second Harry Potter movie. Mm-hmm. And he's done he's done a lot of movies throughout the years, even like stuff from the eighties all the way to now. Yeah, he also it also stars Helena Bonham Carter, who I absolutely love. Yeah, and Robert De Niro, who I also absolutely love, and also Tom Hulse, who I really love as an actor, who was in Amadeus, Animal House. Um, I think he was in Father of the um, Parenthood. I think he was in Parenthood. And he also did the voice of Quasimodo in from the, Notre in, Dame, yeah, from the Hunchback of Notre Dame Disney adaptation. Mm-hmm. Which I don't even know if I can touch that movie as like a remake. Yeah, I don't know. It, I don't can. think I can. Yeah, he was in Parenthood. He was in Parenthood. Yeah, blah blah blah. Anyways, yeah. Moving on. Yeah, Amadeus is such a great movie, by the way. It's a classic. So the runtime for this adaptation is two hours and three minutes. So it's a little longer than the original. Mm-hmm. It got a 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb. 82% of Google users like this movie. I couldn't find a rating on Metacritic. And I'm not going to even uh, mention uh, Rotten Tomatoes. The only thing I can say is that... The, the 1931 version got a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And this one got a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. Tomatoes. What the fuck? I'm going to... 
I know. I, I want to know their rating process because it's bullshit. <laughs> but I'm moving on now. You're beautiful. So the budgeting for this movie was $45 million. And at the box office, it earned $112 million, which is $100 million more than what the original earned in the box office. So I guess it made something of a profit. But let's get into it. So okay. what did you think overall, Colin? I think it was a good one. For a remake, I, it's just like... It's it, when I watch remakes like uh, like uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, mm-hmm. that one I like a lot because it was very mysterious and very eerie and stuff for a remake. This one was kind of like it was, it was uh, very eerie for what it was. It was it was happy in the beginning of the movie, which it should be, you know, definitely telling more of the backstory about him. Yeah, because it shows and showing how much of a happy, good life he lived in with his his father. And it showed the backstory of what led to his obsession with the thought or theory of um, just, re- renewing life. Which I, yeah, if it wasn't in, for his mother, I just feel like he wouldn't even be into what he was doing. There's a line from that movie that i wanted to bring up no one need ever die and it's he says this to his mother's grave after she gives birth to his younger brother william mm-hmm. and it's a very interesting con and it's it's the first instance we see him think that thought that leads him down this path of almost self-destruction in a way because that becomes all he ever thinks about especially when he goes to university Mm -hmm. and is learning under these you know people who call themselves experts of modern science of the times where it was like okay the the theory of bringing people back to life never been heard of never been tried don't even think about it like that's all he heard and it just kept pushing him more and more into doing what he ended up doing But I like how closely it follows the book because you do get that backstory of what led him to do what he did. I mean, granted, his mom didn't die in childbirth after she had William. She died a little later on, but still, it's the thought that, like, if if I can bring back my parents, I'll be happy again, you know? And it's like, like I said, it explains that backstory and that sense of character development Mm -hmm. that we didn't see in the original it shows also shows him his earlier experiments of science because before he started going down this path of madness he was just fiddling around with the concept of electricity and electrical currents and how they worked (sighs) with with the lightning rod experiment he did with elizabeth and justine and william Mm -hmm. like they were all outside and the lightning cloud came through like that showed that he wasn't applying his experiments to what he would eventually become doing, but he showed a great interest in science. The setting, specifically, like Geneva and what was the other one that was mentioned? Ingolstadt? Stett? Ingolstadt. Is that the Ingl- place? or who That was, was the place he would go to yeah. when he went to college. So he goes to Ingolstadt to go to school, and he's from Geneva. Those two places never get mentioned in the original. Mm-hmm. We have no idea where the setting takes place in the 1931 movie. Exactly. It mentions, and I even had to try to look this up, but it's referenced as the Baravian. Baravian? Yeah, Baravian, I think. Baravian is. Alps. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, you know, we, we get to know a little bit more about the natural setting of the novel a little mm. bit more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. And the Elizabeth character. Like in the novel, same instant, she was a girl who was a family friend whose family died and the Frankensteins took her in. Mm -hmm. She grew up with Victor as they got older and, you know, developed a relationship. Yeah. Which, that's something in the movie I heavily don't enjoy is the the fact that they, they, like... On paper, they call themselves brother and sister, but they insist that, like, they get married and develop. I don't know. It's just, it's weird for me. Like, I get that they're adopted and they're not related by blood, but it's still weird for me that they call each other brother and sister. Yeah. And that, that they want more of this. And I'm like, oh, that it's doesn't sit with all of It's very sexual about that. Yeah, it just doesn't sit well with me. Uh, and I don't, I don't know. 
Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Is there anything you wanted to add in before I continued? Besides that weird incest situation? No, not really. Oh my God. That's just fucking weird. I like, too, when he goes to school and they talk about medical theories. Like, their ideologies are a bit more advanced than what the plot's timeline indicates. Like... The, the For example, they mentioned something similar to heart transplants. Yeah. Like, his friend Henry, Henry Clearville, who we mentioned before, was mm. non-existent in the 1931 movie. He, he wants to be a doctor. So, Victor challenges him. He's like, well, you know, if you, can, if you can take a person's sick heart and replace it with a new, why can't the same be said for life? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Henry's like, because it's not possible. But now we, now today, we have that kind of technology. We have that kind of advancement. And they also mention the same thing about vaccines, like vaccinations. Mm-hmm. In the movie itself, and this kind of touches a little bit in close to what's going on currently. Yeah. But they deal, or they grapple with a smallpox pandemic. And the entire city of Ingolstadt gets put on shut, like lockdown. Just like, imagine if that was us now. That is what we're going through now. I know. That's what some places of the world are going through right now. I know, but I feel like everyone's less panicky about it now than oh, they were Oh, no, back we're then. still panicky about it. It's well, they're, just... they're all, like, hysterical in the movie compared to what we're like now. Yeah, because it's smallpox. Back then, they didn't have a cure for smallpox. Here, we still don't have a cure for COVID. Oh. I mean, we just developed a vaccine for it, but we... We not, really it's haven't not got released. It yet. It's not released yet. Probably not till next year. Yeah. Which... I mean, it just goes to show you that things like this can be relative to current events. Mm. And it's just, it's a different point of view on things. It's like history can really repeat <laughs> itself, mm-hmm. you know. So, Victor's madness and obsession, like I mentioned, it gets, mm. I feel like as his life goes on, he gets motivated more and more to do this. And it shows a lot more when he meets that Dr. Weldman guy. Mm-hmm. I said it correctly this time, right? Waldman. Waldman? Not okay. Weldman, every time. How do you get those two mixed up? I, I'm just messing so with you. So, Dr. Waldman, who's played by John Cleese in this movie. Which you didn't think it was John Cleese at first. Because he's, he's underneath all these, like, wigs and fucking makeup. I, how the fuck was I supposed to know? Oh my god, that was so funny. And you're like, you're like. the 90s. You were like this. You are like, that's not John Cleese. And I showed you the thing. I was like, that is John Cleese. <laughs> so, you know, Dr. Waldman shares the same. Views almost. Oh, you said Waldman. Okay, cool. Well, he shares these views with Victor, and he almost like encourages him or takes him under his wing, and is like, "Let me show you some of my experiments and see if you know we can patent these to be a little bit more improvable." And of course, he dies. Yes, he does. Spoiler alert: He dies. Who? Oh, by the guy who before he became the monster, he was human. So this is where we first see Robert De Niro make his appearance in the movie. So after they discuss the idea of vaccinating people with a small antibody of like the smallpox disease, they go to this almost clinic-like facility and they're getting the people to be vaccinated. Well. Robert De Niro's character shows up and he highly does not want to be vaccinated by whatever these doctors are trying to quote unquote poison them with. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, is, is forced down to get this shot. And in the process of this, he stabs Dr. Waldman and Waldman dies. Uh. So this dri- drives Victor to go even further down the rabbit hole of this insane idea of bringing the dead back to life. Now, Robert De Niro's character is hanged for this act of crime. And we, we I think, when you when you watch the movie over time, you start to see, like, this, this becomes his driving force to perfect it. And I think he even uses some of Dr. Wellman's old notes on the idea mm-hmm. to go further. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like it. It 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 went a little bit more deeper into the story and the process and the character development overall than the original did. Yeah. And like I said, it follows the book pretty closely. Granted, there's some differences from the book to the movie, but overall, it's still pretty good. Yeah. And I like too that like when Robert De Niro's Frankenstein monster, after he's brought back to life, you slowly start to see his character development grow. In a way that shows that, like, he's understanding pain and his own sense of loss and 
still confused about his place in the world, but he still learns and tries to adapt to it. Like, he teaches himself how to read. He reads from Victor's journal. He interacts with people a little bit. But, you know, he does what he can, Mm -hmm. which I think is really cool. It shows more of the human side to him. Yeah. That he's gained the knowledge from reading from his book Mm -hmm. and to show that he he can be more than just a monster. Yeah, but unfortunately, society doesn't view him as a human. He They view him as a monster. Well, this was is yeah. also in the 1700s, and a lot of those people, even back then, our ancestors, are probably, like, very simpleton type of people. Well, the problem with um, Ingolstadt was that when people saw his face, they recognized him as the murderer who was hanged. Yeah. And, the, like, the whole town watched this man get hanged for his crimes. And they believed that, well, if he survived and he didn't get the vaccine, he's the cause for this pandemic to constantly get worse. Yeah. Super spreader, I think, is a new term for it now. But, you know, they chased him out of the city and he ended up in the countryside where he hid away in this farm. And while, you know, was kind of living there secretly, he was also helping them with their agricultural burdens you know with the with the seasons getting colder and them not be able to harvest the food that they need to sell in order to make their rent sort of Mm -hmm. situation and he develops a brief friendship with the grandfather of the family unfortunately his son who's all worried about what is happening with his father he shows up and sees Robert De Niro's ugly mug and starts to wail on him and chase him out of the house. Yep, beat him in the back and everything. That's what he gets. So it just it drives this unfortunate reaction from him that, you know, I, I will never be accepted in the world because of what I am and I still don't understand what my purpose is. So I think he reads back through the journal. And in those final pages, Victor... This was written after the fact of Victor bringing this thing back to life where he starts to come to the realization, I've done something terrible. I should never have done this. It's ruined all of my relationships and friendships with people. And I should destroy everything and all evidence of it ever existing. And he had planned to kill it. And yeah, that drove the Frankenstein creation to seek revenge on Victor himself. Exactly. Yeah, and that's where shit really gets crazy, but Mm -hmm. I digress. Okay. But all of that, I mean, like, I almost feel like I can sympathize because it's hard to be kind of that secluded from society where people don't really seem to understand Mm -hmm. like, what who you are, what you're there for, or just even, like, look for some sense of compassion and sympathy in other people. Like, it's hard nowadays, but still. Colin, you have any other insights you want to mention? Not really. I mean, I know you probably have more insights than I do, but, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of hard to go into, but I think another thing I want to mention, I mean, is, is the fact that the the... the the play out in the second half of the movie is a little bit more different than even in the in the book, remember? Because mm-hmm. they never in the book there's never any mention of Elizabeth's character being killed and mm-hmm. then being revived and then the the monster seeking a, a companion. That was never really addressed in the book. Yeah. But it you know, they did a sequel, The Bride of Frankenstein, in the Universal Monster Cinema. And then they did it in the second half of this movie in the 1994 rendition, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Yeah. But I feel like same premise. Elizabeth dies. She's brought back to life in the most grotesque way. She's horrified of herself and what she's become. She's resentful to Victor of being alive again. And it's like, why did you do this to me? Yeah. I shouldn't be alive. And then she just does what she does. She puts herself in flames. And she becomes a human torch and starts torch. running. She becomes a human torch and starts running down the halls. Like, I'm going to set this bitch ablaze. And it burns down the whole fucking Frankenstein manor. Yeah. Like, seriously, the whole thing went up in flames. Yeah. Like, there's a curse. And this house needs to be on fire. This place is a mess. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring this whole fucking mess establishment down. Oh, yeah, so practically the whole family's dead. 
Yeah, like one she, by one, they all got killed. Yeah, just because of... The mother, the mother died of childbirth. The little brother died at the hands of the Frankenstein monster. That's what he gets, that little bastard. The, the father died, and I don't know how he died. They really was didn't it, show that one that much. Yeah, there's no sign of strangulation. There's no sign of brutal But at least beatings. he saw his own kids getting married. I know. Let's not go into that again. Oh, I feel like yeah. that's going to be a weird... Brother and sister, make love. <laughs> oh, Flowers in the Attic. Let's not talk about that one, please. <laughs> Which, that is a great movie, by the way. No, it's not. I anyway. <laughs> no, it's not. I like the makeup departments. In Flowers yeah. in the Attic? No. <laughs> I'm talking about in the 1990... You know uh, what I'm talking about. But in, in the in the makeup department of this film, I thought it was a little bit more better than the original. I mean, I know, like we said, Boris Karloff's iconic image of the Frankenstein monster will always be a classic, and I love it, personally. I even did a drawing of it based on the Frankenstein look and the Bride of Frankenstein from the original movie, but I think the way they went in this particular direction was a little bit more realistic, to say the least. I feel like this story is a little more realistic and actually has more of a better origin story of how everything happened. Mm-hmm. And the killings in it, I feel like, are a lot better. Yeah, they're a little bit more grotesque. Well, I don't want to say grotesque. They're, they're a little bit fucked. more. They're a little bit more real. Yeah. I mean, in the in the original, the only time we saw him kill people was when he strangled Doctor. He strangled Doctor Waldman and he threw the little girl in the water. Yeah, and that was it. I think. But anyway, they were kind of more like cleaner kills than the 94 remake. But Mm -hmm. again, I digress. I even found some plot holes in this one, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, are you talking about the one where he's meeting up with with the monster and he goes up into the ice area and you think he really just popped out of nowhere? I wasn't going to add that one in. I was going to talk about... I mean, the like I said, the advanced medical ideals hmm. that were, like I said, the, when they're talking with Dr. Waldman and they're talking about the, the concept of vaccinations and heart transplants, like I said, those are pretty advanced of their time, especially in the 1700s. But yeah. thinking at the same time frame, too, Catherine the Great was also one of those pioneering people of the history era, historical eras who pushed and advocated for modern medicine. And for things like vaccines. So it's not too far of a stretch to think that this would be a kind of conversation that Dr. Victor Frankenstein and his colleagues would be discussing in the, amongst the midst of a smallpox pandemic, which was a historical relevance of the 1700s. Mm-hmm. So I like that they were historically accurate with the events going around in their timeline, like with the smallpox and everything. I could have probably done two without that weird little scene where Frankenstein and his creation were, like, struggling to stand up under amongst all that amniotic fluid that was all over the floor. I just feel like they were doing that for comic relief. Which is so dumb. There's no dialogue. There's no even, like... But I think that was the whole point. There wasn't supposed to be dialogue for that. It was it just... just- the- the body, the the natural body. That was the only. That was like my one takeaway from this. They, I don't think they really needed that scene. But they did so many takes of it. It just seems like when are they going to stop? But they didn't. I know it's like you could do this off screen. You know what and... it reminds me of? Um, hmm. Family Guy, where Peter trips onto the sidewalk and he keeps doing that. Ah. Ah. And they did that so many times too. So it's like yeah. the same thing. It's like, there's no point. And another thing I don't understand, too, is, like, after after that happens, and after Frankenstein's monster escapes, and Victor wakes up, I think it's, like, days later, because he comes down with pneumonia and his friend's healing him back to perfect health, and he goes into his lab and all of his stuff is gone. Yeah. How? Where did he put it all away? Because he brings it back, like, in the second act of the movie. I think the wife probably put it away, had some the, people help. The fiancé? The fiancé helped. And, like, there were some people that helped her and probably put it away. I don't get it. You know, She hired people. Maybe she hired people. I don't it know. It doesn't make sense. I know it doesn't, but there, in movies sometimes there's some things that don't make sense. But they happen for a reason. But, yeah. I, I think, too, like, all of this, like, 
And especially, like I said, with the events that follow after that instance, when he goes back to Geneva to plan his wedding with Elizabeth, and all this running around back and forth, because he knows that the monster is still out there. He knows that he's got his journal. He knows that it, it shouldn't be alive. It needs to be destroyed. But he also doesn't understand, too, that while all this is going on in his life, the monster is learning, he's adapting, he's observing, you know, human behavior. He's thinking, he's feeling, he's experiencing these things. And it's like, once he finally meets up with him in, in the glaciers and they have that talk, it becomes apparent to him that, like, oh, now he's, like, he's not a monster. He's a whole new person that thinks and feels and all he wants now in life is to have a companion who looks and thinks and feels like him. Because, mm -hmm. obviously, he he's tried that a few times in a few instances and he doesn't get the same reciprocation in return. So it's just, it's interesting the way they kind of go in that direction that I liked about that movie. Mm -hmm. But what did you think? I like it overall. I mean, it's a good remake. <laughs> it's not the original Frankenstein, but it's its own um, entity. And was that your takeaway of the, you know, what what did you not like about it? Mm, definitely some of the people that they killed in it. You know, because that's one thing sometimes I usually don't like about the movies where they kill the good guy that deserves to keep moving on. And some of the people that in that movie, it's just like they tore everything apart. That whole family got torn apart, and I just felt so bad. Even the yeah. boy Willie, I, that was the one that I did not like that he got killed. Yeah, and I and I wish he another, ran away quicker. Well, that was another thing too. He he asks him, he's like, "Why did you kill my brother?" And he he says it without any. Any hesitation. hesitation or emotion, he's like, I grabbed him by the throat and lift him up in the air. And he said, and as I squeezed and crushed his throat, I thought I saw your face. Like, he's like, I, you know, that's all he saw. That's fucked. But then again, remember, Willie had the locket with Victor's picture in it. Yeah. So, of I course, that, he I, had an idea that I mean, this must be a kid in relation to Victor. Yeah. And plus the uh, the uh, blaming the uh, the maid for oh that was for the brutal. necklace thing that was fucked yeah I mean it was it was great acting it was a great scene but it was so sad at how they just killed her like that automatically I feel like that was also meant I mean well I know now as it was meant to introduce more of the second half of the movie which is Elizabeth's death which was the final one yeah well not the final but. Yeah. The well, final one in his family. The final, yeah, the final one of the The family. final person in his family who he really cared and loved for dies. Mm. And that drives the the final nail in the coffin with, I have nothing left to lose if I do this experiment all over again. And it's to bring her back. Yeah, but it did not work out that <clears throat> oh, way. Oh, not at all. All. That, all that work and dedication and time he did mm -hmm. was like... Not worth doing because the minute she came back and everything, she totally did not want to do it, and she killed her own self. And literally, I'm—he's th probably thinking in his head. I'd probably be the same way. Be like, I took all this time, all this dedication, all this everything, just to have you come back, and you just—you're gone again. Mm. Mm -hmm. But then again, it just seems like wrong. It it's seemed almost, wrong for him to do that. It's also too like—it's not if you, fair if you really think about it. If he had just accepted the fact that death is a natural part of life and that at some point in time we all go through it, maybe he wouldn't have gone as crazy as he did to look for theories of recreating life and going down that hole. It's like it's like that line from Pet Cemetery. Sometimes dead is better. Exactly. Which that's the whole basis of recreation <clears throat> and just it's just, it's not point it's not it's pointless doing that. Reanimation, I think, Re is the word yeah. we're looking well, for. Well, he reanimation, but like, it's not the. There's no point in doing it because they're not going to be the same thing. Yeah. And because so, there's, because there's a difference when, when you die and your body essentially becomes this shell of what was left. Like, there's no soul. A there's dying no life. Shell, yeah. There's no life in there. It's all like, just hollow inside. If, if you bring the body back, 
who knows what you're going to... You're not going to get that person again. Yeah. And I think that's that's the missing factor of this whole thing is that when you do something like this kind of experiment, you can't bring that person back. You can bring the body back to life, but you're mm-hmm. not going to get that person again. And that's what sucks about the whole situation. And that's why, for yeah. me, honestly... I would never want to bring anyone back. Yeah. Because they're not going to be the same thing. It'll hurt me more than them. Mm-hmm. And just, you don't play God. You don't play with that's, that's the godly thing. things. And you don't bring things back because you're not that type of person to do that. No man is supposed to bring someone back. Yeah. That's the, that's the whole point of life. Premise of life is that we, we are born, we live our lives, and then eventually we expire and that is that there's no coming back to life why do you look so sad i'm sad okay i I don't want to talk about this anymore can we be done with this all right so overall thought of both movies or or the original one's great the classic will always be a classic to me Mm -hmm. and the other one's sad (laughs) (laughs) my overall thought is that the remake follows the book closely Although it may not be completely similar to the book, it follows the plot and the themes and the message closely to the book. That's my final thought. Just please promise me you won't die. Colin, I cannot promise you that. No, you have to promise. (laughs) I cannot promise that. I can only promise that I might go before you. That's the only thing I can promise. First of all, lady... (laughs) All right, I'm older than you. I go before you. I don't want you to go before me. I'm going to go before you, all right? I, I don't want you to die before me. Why? Cause you I don't wanna... know how to plan a funeral. I don't either, but <laughs> is that why? It's not because you'll miss me? Wow, what a turd. <laughs> you are the worst person ever. All you care about is how much are you going to pay for that damn funeral? I don't know how to plan a funeral. I don't know what kind of coffin you want, or if you want to be cremated. Oh, sure. We'll go over the things before I die. I don't know what kind of music you want playing at your funeral. All right. Who, we'll, who you want me to invite. We'll we'll talk about that later. <laughs> okay. So, yes. But until then, this has been our episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Grinder. Shut up. Okay. And, uh, yeah, just follow us and just check us out for the next episode. Yeah, stick around. We'll probably have one posted on Thursday. Anyway, so this has been the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm Colin Bourne. And I'm Aaliyah. Signing off saying, please don't die. I can't promise you that. Damn it.